Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and happy Tuesday. It is that hour, and you know what that means. This program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one numero uno drug-free sponsorship in the world. If you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to stand on as well as a vehicle to drive your goals like what, Kaylin? Kaylin's not here just yet, so I'll play Kaylin like a map truck through ice cream sugar. <laughs> Check us out at p4pmuscle.com. And now let's talk. This crazy lady on the airwaves with you tonight is Desiree Fletcher Carruthers and my PIC partner in crime, Kalen Patterson, will be with us shortly. He is driving like a bat out of Hades, folks, and he's going to be with us here soon. So we are going to get started. If you were not with us last week, you missed out on some fantastic shows, fantastic guests. So you are going to want to uh, jump on the archives and check it out. Listen, we had uh, Ryan 2.0, our dancer, with us on Thursday. And uh, we have been talking about New Year's resolutions, weight loss, all of that great kind of stuff. So uh, you guys are going to want to jump on that train. Because I know not everyone can joining us every week. Joining us can join us every week. So don't forget about the archives. Do not forget. And you know what? With competition season right around the corner, we are going to be covering so much more stuff. So mark your calendar. It's 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's where P4P Real Talk with Desiree and Kaylin will be. But you know it's always more fun when you're with us. So. Be sure that you guys could make it. And if you can't, check us out, Kives. And with that being said, we have got another fantastic show tonight because, you know, every show is fantastic. And uh, would you agree with that, Kalen Patterson? I know. That's right. Um, You might have to listen to the archives because I tried to do a Kalen Patterson impersonation during the promo. So... (laughs) <laughs> you might you might want to take a listen and give me a critique. Let me know how I did. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I I have already been yammering on for about a good uh, three minutes now. You know, our listeners get a little restless when we take too long at the beginning and we don't start the show. So I am ready to start the show. And tonight, folks, we are jumping back into the powerlifting arena. And actually, we haven't talked about powerlifting in quite a while. And so I am pretty excited about this show because, you know, we're all things natural bodybuilding and we cover a lot of things, health and wellness. But there are a ton of natties out there that become powerlifters or they transition back and forth. So this is something that will appeal to all of those folks that are out there. And it's something new. 
It's unique, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's something that most of you have probably never heard of before. So with that, Dad, I am going to – yes, Kaylin Patterson. Yes. Oh. What's up? Yeah, you've, been, you've been cutting in and out, so uh, you might want to do that introduction again. Oh, well, I haven't gotten to the introduction quite yet, but we're going to talk about this powerlifting new thing coming up yes. in full detail, so I'm not going to backtrack like too much. That. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. You have not offended anyone. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We're going to cover all the details here. So with that, and I don't even know why I'm break, breaking up. I'm not even sure what that's all about. So I will try and sit still, stand on one toe. Please. Maybe my reception is not as great as it could be. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, here we go. Royce Clayflin with Phoenix Fitness. Will you please say hello to all of our friends out there in listener land and tell them a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. I am Coach Royce Claflin. I've been a barbell athlete for 21 years. been a personal trainer and coach for coming up on 17. Uh, my formal education is in business management, but I've spent the majority of my life and the pursuit of strength and studying everything and anything that I can get my hands on that is fitness-related. All right. All right. That's awesome, and that's respectable. So, Royce, and guys, i got to apologize. I said his last name wrong, and you know I'm terrible with names, even after I already asked him how to pronounce it. So it's Royce Claflin. (laughs) I'm just going to reiterate. So there we have it. So, Royce, we have you on the show tonight um, to talk about all things powerlifting, but all things powerlifting as related to this system that you have developed to help powerlifters be better and excel at their sport. So can you kind of just like step us from the beginning of how you got so involved in powerlifting and then what led you to this system that you've developed and then just lay it on us what that system is. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with what sort of motivated me get in, getting into lifting. I started lifting pretty young. I was uh, 14, 15 years old, and I was kind of a, a small, small kid. And I wanted to play baseball and football, and I was told that I was too small to do so. So I got very motivated to get in the gym and start lifting weights, and that led me to compete in powerlifting at my first show at age 20. Um, And, you know, then I dabbled a little bit in powerlifting and then back to bodybuilding or switched from powerlifting to bodybuilding and then back again. I think a lot of people do that. Um, long story short, yeah. I ended up personal training and coaching, and I did that for a long, long time until I coached a team up here in New Hampshire. I started the team in about 2012, and after I opened Phoenix Fitness in 2015, I sort of had this idea in the back of my mind. I kind of really wanted to motivate the people that might not necessarily get into competitive powerlifting but still want an avenue or a vehicle to stay motivated, you know, maybe they're not trying to lose weight or maybe they don't necessarily care if they add weight to their lifts, but they need something to stay motivated to stay in fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I came up with this idea of, okay, well, I've kind of always wanted to tie together the There's just too much 
haphazard coaching and, and sloppy coaching and and just not enough intention being put into the barbells. Are you still there, Royce? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hello. Okay, there we go. Okay, I don't know what's going on, but we are having some issues with our audio because we keep losing you in and out, oh. and it sounds like Kaylin has a hard time hearing me. So <laughs> it's weird. is it just me, Kaylin, or is Royce cutting out on you too, or what's going uh, it's, on? It's uh, both, but I can hear you both now. It's, I've heard okay, you both well, the whole time, Okay, well, I can hear you no now. Well, then there we go. Let's hope it stays that way. Well, so, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm going to ask Royce to repeat a little bit of his story because there were chunks there. So I got that you were small, you were motivated to lift, you were in powerlifting, bodybuilding, powerlifting, bodybuilding, started a powerlifting team, opened your own gym, were unhappy with sloppy coaching, and and that's about all I got. Did I did I am I am I tracking with you? What did I miss? Yeah, yeah, you made it almost all the way up. So, just just generally okay. generally speaking, I really just thought we could do a lot better in terms of putting intention into the athlete before they get their hands on a barbell. So I came up with a system that I was hoping would motivate the folks that might not be interested in competing, but uh, are maybe looking for a vehicle to stay motivated and stay in fitness, and maybe they're not interested in getting stronger, putting weight on the bar, maybe they're not interested in losing weight, but they need some source of motivation, and also give the higher-level athletes something to to turn to, also to stay motivated, but to to get that extra to extra potential out of them, you know? And there's just there's nothing out there like that right now where they can, okay, well, I've got, I'm just going to use my brown belt as an example, to get the black belt, you have to pass an exam where you have to execute um, a perfect technical max. And to be able to do that, you've got to be a very skilled, very proficient lifter. But just to give to give the people wow. that need a source okay. of motivation something new and to give the people that are higher-level skilled athletes also a source of motivation and to, to try to pull more potential out of them. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm glad you do that because we've at, at our gym we, we do something at very – very um, much less uh, minimum than what you're talking about. But, you know, that Fit Body U, we are trying to teach people so uh, they don't damage themselves because a lot of people come in with great motivation but not great teaching. And, you know, you know, especially at the big box gyms, I've seen more and more sales pitches instead of actual, you know, training or, or investing in, in form or anything like that. So it, it it's kind of fallen off. But I think it's because people just don't seem see the need or, or, or importance of doing correct form. So, you know, with what you're doing, it's got to be great, and I'm sure the results have to be quite phenomenal. Yeah, and I've got an interesting pool of data so far. So I implemented this in April of last year, and I started it as a separate business entity from Phoenix Fitness that the current athletes could enroll in and get involved in. But what I wasn't quite happy with the, the outcome of that. What I wanted was to get the people that weren't competitive, that were looking for an alternative source of motivation. I wanted them to get involved and to try to make them better. But um, what ended up happening was, of course, as you would expect, the, the really highly skilled athletes all got involved and wanted to be better, but no one else did. So I'm like, well, all right, this oh. is not good enough for me. I want, 
I want everyone in my club to be involved in this because this educational stuff is far too valuable. So I want everyone in the club to be involved to some degree. But what I was going to say is it's funny because I have an eight-year veteran lifter, and we worked on his deadlift technique yesterday, and there was a substantial difference from the 10 minutes of cueing that we did before and after. It's, it's unbelievable, even the athletes that you think have the knowledge, just to go and refresh them. It just, it's so much better. Mm-hmm. All right, so Royce, I'm coming in. I'm not a competitive lifter, but I want to join your program. Where do I start? What is like the graduating level, and how do I? So obviously, I have to master certain skill levels. But what needs to be mastered level by level by level? And do they actually get a belt, or how does all this work? What a great question. So you'll come in as a white belt, and then we'll start to teach you some of the basics. Um, and, and this is my professional opinion. I developed the system. So it's my professional opinion. Before you even think about touching a weight, you need to know how to brace your core. You need to know how to ground your feet. You need to know how to do simple things like a plank or a push-up, um, how to move your scapula properly, how to hip hinge, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you will, um, you'll pass that belt exam. It will bring you to a yellow belt. And then as a yellow belt, we'll start to get into some um, some other movement patterns, push, pull, squat, not with a weight yet, not with an external load, just with your body weight. And to get into the next belt would be orange belt, and in order to get to that belt, you have to understand safety in lifting, you know, how to, where do you put your weights around your station, where does the barbell go, just general safety, spotting, things like that, and then you start to put a bar in their hand at orange belt. And then things get very interesting when you take your blue belt exam because the blue belt, you have to demonstrate that you can execute a perfectly technically sound lift, a perfect lift with 60 to 70% of your max squat, bench, and deadlift. Wow. Okay. All right. And so then where do you max out? Do you max out at the black belt or? You do. When so you graduate? You'll, go, you'll go from the blue belt to uh, purple belts and the purple belt start to introduce things like general nutritional education, which I think every athlete should know. Um, we start to get into uh, a little bit of cueing, and I threw a couple things in there that I think are very important for general conditioning, like a kettlebell swing, a Turkish get-up, things like that. And then once mm-hmm. you pass purple belt exam, and there's a, there's a written and a, a practical portion of each exam. They're both about 45 minutes. And from purple, you go to red belt, and red belt, we get into jumping. And you know how complicated jumping education is, so that's an entire belt. And then All right. from red. You encompass a lot of different things there. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Red? Oh, no worries. Yeah, I try, to, I try to get everything in there, and the only thing that I have not built into the system yet is the Olympic lifting. And I'm not quite sure I'm going to put it in yet or not, but I think it should be available to some coaches. But you'll go from the red belts of the jumping education to brown belt, which is accessory movement training uh, with a barbell such as barbell good morning, barbell overhead press, body weight pull up, things like that. And then from brown belt, the black belt exam, you're going to have to demonstrate that you know how to coach somebody else with the barbell and you have to demonstrate a perfect technical max. That's pretty awesome. So there are several questions that are 
popping up out of all of the information you've just been sharing with us. So the first one, I had this my question myself and our listener Sue is wondering the same thing, but you've used the word queuing a couple of different times. Can you explain to us what that means? Oh, sure. So as a coach, there are things that we need to be able to um, say to our athlete on the fly as they're in the middle of a lift that will help them to make a connection with their body. I'm going to use a really common one, for example. Um, it's, not even, it's not a cue that I even use, but knees out is one you hear a lot of. So if an athlete mm-hmm. is squatting mm-hmm. with a barbell on their back and they have knee valgus or their knees cave in, you'll hear somebody yell, yeah. knees out. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's a cue. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Glad gotcha. you do it. <laughs> Very good. Very it's good. All right. But it's got to be done. You got to know how to get that yeah. stuff, help somebody out before they really hurt themselves out there. Which oh, yeah. you also reference safety, and and that's really important too. And so here's David's question. He said, and this is this is more tracking back to the very beginning when when um, you were talking about bouncing back and forth between bodybuilding and powerlifting, and I also reference that too because we we know several bodybuilders that that do this or have done that. And he's asking, how are people supposed to stay away from injuries when bouncing back and forth between bodybuilding and powerlifting? There seem to be injuries that happen, and I don't want to lose my motivation from lifting. So not totally on topic, but please You want me to take that question? I would. Okay. That's uh, David, that's a great question, actually, and it's kind of loaded, but here's my best shot at it you need to have a general understanding of what your body can and can't do when you're in a calorie deficit. You obviously still should be lifting somewhat heavy when you're in a calorie deficit because you want the benefits of heavy lifting while you're dieting for a bodybuilding show. But there are certain things that you should not be doing and the ways that you should not be pushing yourself when you're getting close to a show and your body fat's below 5% and your synovial fluid is lower than normal and you're just you're just really, your body's really having a hard time keeping up. Um, But I would say you need to have an extremely high understanding of technique with the main lifts if you're going to be a bodybuilder because we use the main lifts to get to to show condition and um, just a general understanding of how to to approach the calorie deficit with your body. All right, very good. (laughs) Okay, all right, so... One uh, true confessions here. So a lot of our listeners are not uh, bodybuilders, nor are they power lifters, but they are individuals that love strength training sports or they love athletes that are in the sport. So we've got some questions coming in on some of the terminology that you've been using. So Olympic lifting is one. Can you give us an explanation when you reference that you're thinking about adding an Olympic lift to your um, bar system, what exactly does Olympic lifting entail? Sure. So I want for my system to be, as it's complete package right now, I want to be able to sell it to facilities. I want to be able to walk in the door and say, okay, you are a bars certified gym, and you know if you go to this gym that every lifter in the gym is going to be highly educated and safe. But in order for me to do that, I need to, I need them to understand Olympic lifting because of CrossFit facilities. Olympic lifting is the clean and jerk where you take the bar from the floor and you hoist it up and press it over your head. And the other lift, which is the snatch, which is kind of to a, 
to the untrained eye, it looks very similar, but you take a really, really wide grip on the bar and you throw the bar overhead. That's Olympic lifting. Okay, gotcha. So Olympic lifting, guys, is just different different um, lifts that can be done that fall under that name. Um, and you do see a lot of those in CrossFit. So that'll, And if you Google it, you will be able to find examples of what those lifts look like. Kaylin, did you have anything you wanted to add there? No, I just uh, what, what you said it best. When I was going to say, you know, we got a lot of people that love following what we do, but a lot of the terminology that we use is, is truly lost until we give that explanation. So I, I hope uh, we're not uh, taking we, we don't get too lost in the show where they get even more confused. It's it's funny because like this is so normal for us to speak, it almost becomes a foreign language to them. So I. Yeah. I, I was That's I was true. laughing. Jargon. Our jargon is jargon, and and we, yep. <laughs> we can get away from ourselves sometimes. That's all I was gonna say. Yes, we sure can, but that's okay yep. because we're here to share, educate all of the above. So yep. it's all good. So yep. the next term, uh, Royce, synovial fluid. We would like to know what that is. Sure. It's what lubricates your joints, what keeps your joints protected. All right. Very good. So, guys, we had all kinds of terms coming out of our interview with Dr. Corey Probst, and so tonight we are expanding our vocabulary. We've got cueing. You now know what Olympic lifting is or Olympic style lifting and synovial fluid. We are just learning by leaps and bounds. So there you have it. And in your last question, Royce, you answered a, you partially answered the question that I have when you're saying that you want to be able to sell this system to other gyms, which I think is fantastic. So my question was, if you know, could I come in and become a bars certified trainer? Which so you're you want to sell it to other gyms, but can people just say, hey? I am a personal trainer at XYZ Gym, but I want to, you know, improve my own knowledge and understanding and skill level offering. So can I just get certified in your program? Is that something that you offer also? That's going to be the first step that I take in doing that. Um, but the only the only hurdle that I have right now is having belts ready to go. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So actual belts. All right. Now, when when you take that format and when you're doing that, there's going to be a lot of questions that people are going to be asking, and, and they might get redundant. How can you keep the time down where basically you can, you know, have a class atmosphere but not have it get off track to where it becomes an alternate discussion and take away from what everybody's studying? Because I know a lot of times people want to learn everything right now, and you have a lot of know-it-all sometimes. And how do you keep that in a, in a time frame where it doesn't get away from you as as you're trying to teach? That's also a really good question. Um, I've run into both scenarios. I had um, I, I implemented something that I I did a quiz every Monday, and I had five question quiz, and um, it was not received very well. I don't think so. I ended up getting rid of it because I thought it took away from the class too much, and you could clearly see the environment change, and people didn't enjoy it. So instead. I have the educational component at the start of class. We'll go through a warm-up, say the warm-up's 10 to 15 minutes. I'll allot myself five to seven minutes only to do the educational portion, and then it's off to lifting. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it, and I guess that's good that you were able to pick up on those maybe verbal or nonverbal cues that you received and adapt your class accordingly. But that, I mean, to Kaylin's point, sometimes you have the know-it-alls that still don't really know anything, and then those that just have tons of questions and are looking for the attention um, to get their questions answered, and that's hard to balance while you just want to get to the actual lifting of what they're there to learn. So that is going to take some juggling, but it it's, um, yeah, it's well worth it when you can get that balance struck. So you had referenced that you had already collected some data, so you've been monitoring, um, you know, the people going through your BARS course so far. Have most of your participants been your powerlifting team? Because I know your gym has a powerlifting team. And how has their performance um, been enhanced or made better since you started this program? Oh, I'll do the best I can with that one. I have so much data, um, I'm not even sure how to sift through it all yet and present it to you, but I have a variety of different lifters of all different ages and all different skill levels. I'm just going to go to, like, the extremes. So I have a lifter who's 49 years old. Um, he's a larger larger lifter, been with me eight years, and I'm constantly trying to make his technique better. And he, he really puts a lot of intention into what he does, but I sort of keep thinking that we're at that limit of potential, like, okay, that we're not going to make his technique any better. And I keep proving myself wrong because I keep – coming up with combinations of cues that seem to make him better. But I also have uh, a woman, Denise Thomas, who's a world champion powerlifter. She's 68, um, and she she takes the classes. She took the blue belt and the purple belt exam, and she walked away from the test having learned the cues. She thought she knew them, but to have to teach them to somebody else, to reiterate them to somebody else, made her memorize them differently, and she, she learned that. And I guess what I'm trying to say is... They understand everything, and you think they understand it all. And then they take a test on it, and they didn't really truly know it. And now they do. And that's for sure. I mean, until you try to implement something yourself, I mean, you can listen to something, and people learn differently, right? So some people are visual, some people are auditory. And you could have someone tell you something, and you think you know how to do it, but until you have to replicate it yourself, it is a whole different story. So I'm sure that that has probably been a whole different experience. Um, <clears throat> it's So basically you're just seeing a lot of probably just results that you weren't even quite expecting because, I mean, you expect people to learn how to be able to improve their lifting um, skill set, but then also to be able to teach something else. I mean, really, that's an area that you don't even really see. And I think that is so important. And, Kaylin, I'll have you chime in to see if you agree, because you get a lot of people that are in the gym and people are watching them, so then the next thing that person is asking them, well, how did you do that? And so they're trying to tell them how to lift when they more than likely didn't really know what they were doing themselves, and so now they've just educated someone else on how to do the same lift the wrong way. So even just giving people that um, know-how and that confidence that they could actually probably help somebody, you know, just that idle standby watcher and that person walk away with actually having good form that won't hurt them, that is actually a really important piece, and I'm really glad to see that you have incorporated that into your program Kaylin, thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I call it an education because, like, it's supposed to be helping, but there's no way it can because it's just so messed up. So I was like, you're not educating, you're neducating. And, like, it's a negative <laughs> concept, and it's just going to fail on its face. And, you know, it's it's so much um, bad information. And, and, and YouTube is a blessing and a curse because it can – it, it can help people, but there's, there's a lot of people that are basically have a lot of followers, but there's not much information in what they're doing other than basically being more like uh, half-naked, uh, booty-popping into the camera, or for the guy basically running around with no shirt, and he's got you know great abs and a great chest. But if you really break down what they're doing, there's really not much to it other than you know putting blood into the muscle. So it, it, it we need stuff like what Royce is talking about, and it 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 definitely going to benefit society because you you if you can go right, you definitely won't go wrong, and if you know the the facts and the and and the science behind what's happening, that really educates the the the, the general population as well. Um, Royce, would you like to add to that? Well, thank you, Kaylin. Yeah, it's I guess. I wasn't expecting to implement this to a group of veteran lifters and, and have them learn at the lower level belts. And mm-hmm. when they mm-hmm. did, I was really kind of shocked. I thought it was more of a testing of their knowledge, but it was very educational. And it, it also challenged me as a coach, which was the biggest surprise. It challenged me as a coach to sharpen my axe even further. And I, I got all the strength conditioning books out and I studied again and it was just such a great refresher for me. So it made me better. It made them better. And absolutely, they've passed it on. They go to other gyms sometimes to do their own training. And I hear all the time, oh, I helped so-and-so, or I fixed my friend's form or my cousin's form. Or It's definitely being passed on. All right. That's awesome. I mean, and that's what it's all about, really. So, I mean, from your experience and maybe anecdotal stories that you hear, what are some of the most common lifting mistakes that you consistently come up against? If there are like maybe one or two, or maybe there's just too many to count, but just the most common areas where people just really need help because they're just doing it wrong across the board. That's a that's a good one. I'm gonna jump right on the um, my back always hurts when I deadlift. Uh huh. All right. And, and what is it that they're doing? It hands down they're every time. The, yeah, the technique is absolute garbage, and, and it has to be addressed from A to Z. But you know, that's the reason their back hurts. Your back should never hurt when you're deadlifting. It's not meant to to train you that way. Yeah, that's true. Gotcha. That's uh, so true. Um, one of the things that I've seen, and it, it just, it, I get the benefits of, uh, you know, losing the body fat uh, in, when you're competing and and. I can understand why powerlifting is such a, a draw to bodybuilders because, you know, powerlifting in very name in itself makes makes you want to get that power and, and still be lifting and, and see improvements and everybody's set on these PRs. But one of the things that concerns me, like, and like Roy said earlier, was uh, when you're in deficit, at some point there has to be a tipping point where that's no longer a good option. And, and it seems like because they're getting these great lifts, how do you change that mindset, or is that covered in, in, in the belt process, you know, the, gaining the higher belt levels? Do you cover that 
in, in, in that transition because it, it can be quite frightening for somebody that's getting these changes and then all of a sudden they, they get to the weaker stages of uh, competition in bodybuilding and they still want to get those PRs because, you know, they got that following, they got the comments, and it, that can be kind of ego-boosting, and then at some point you have to admit that uh, you're not going to be able to stay there. How do you deal with that, Roy? That's a that's a good one. Um, is it okay if I give somebody a shout-out while I tell this story? Knock yourself out. You sure can. All right. There just needs to be a general um, setting down of the ego when you go into a bodybuilding calorie deficit. And my first trainer, Maurice Crocker, um, he said a phrase to me that resonated with me forever. You know, I was at the time I was doing a chest workout or something and working out with the hundreds. And he said, when you're done dieting, you're going to struggle with the 70s. And just such a simple thing in passing, he probably felt like was such an innocent thing at the time. I really heard him. I heard what he was saying. And he said, and he was saying, you know, you're going to have to set your ego down. You're not going to be able to move the same weight when you get there, when you arrive at the end of your calorie cut. And just a general understanding of, okay, you've got to put your ego down when you get this far into dieting, and you have to understand that what your quote-unquote heavy is near the show is going to be a lot less than it normally is. You know, and that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad that Kalen brought that up, even though we're talking about powerlifting, um, you know, to bring into the bodybuilding arena because, you know, Kaylin has mentioned this several times, that as you diet down and you get lean and you're stage ready, you're really going to be the weakest that you've probably ever been through the whole process. And in order to avoid injury, you almost have to embrace that because your body just cannot perform at the levels it did when it was at a caloric surplus versus where it's at a deficit. I mean, and we always talk about you look at bodybuilders, and they are cut up on the stage. You look at power lifters, while they're very strong, they don't look anything <laughs> like a bodybuilder, and that's by design. The sports are very different, and, um, you know, you just really got to keep that in mind, especially when you're an athlete that's bouncing back and forth. And, you know, we're using this term bouncing back and forth, but I don't know that I've seen too many bodybuilders, once they've crossed over to powerlifting, come back over to bodybuilding. And, Royce, maybe you see that more often, but what is the best way to make that transition from one to the other? And, I mean, I guess I can more easily understand transitioning from bodybuilding to powerlifting, but, you know, what are what's the best way to transition back from powerlifting to bodybuilding? That's that's a great question, and I'm, I'm going to try and address that. So switching from bodybuilding to powerlifting, you know, you what is the pleasure that you get out of the sport? And in bodybuilding, the pleasure is, you know, obviously it, when you're in the gym and you get a really, really good pump and you're working on building a particular muscle group or you're on stage and you're presenting all of your hard work, that 20 years of hard work is being presented in that 60 seconds on stage. That's where your your pleasure is. In powerlifting, you get this constant stream of pleasure with, you know, whether you, you have a new rep PR or you're hitting a new weight in the gym or you're just hitting your meals for the day is a small win. You know, I need to get 4,000 calories today, and at the end of the day you've accomplished that, and that's a win. And the next day you're doing, a, you know, 50 pull-ups for the very first time, and that's a win. It's like you, you, almost get, you almost get more each day out of powerlifting than you do out of bodybuilding. So the switch from, and, and, you know, obviously going from, an enormous calorie cut possibly to being able to eat whatever you want is very appealing as well. So that transition is pretty easy. Um, I think going from bodybuilding to powerlifting 
you're stronger, you can lift more, you can eat more. It's you get more pleasure each day out of the workout. Um, going the other way, however, I completely agree with you. People seem to have a harder time with that, and I think that it's about timing. You know, you can lift and you can push yourself for usually a pretty long time. Let's say an athlete switches from bodybuilding to powerlifting and they powerlift for a year. Well, at the end of that year, they're, if they're lifting for sport and they're pushing themselves, really pushing themselves, they're bound to have accumulated some aches and pains, you know, achy joints, achy shoulder, whatever it is. Hopefully, if they're my athlete, they're not hurting anywhere. I'm just saying. But right. <laughs> right. at the end of the year, you know, they've accumulated some aches and pains because they're lifting for sport and they're pushing themselves. You know, maybe they're getting tired of feeling that way and maybe they're feeling lethargic and they just, you know, they're ready for a change in lifestyle. Maybe that's the right time to make the switch back to bodybuilding. All right, very yeah. good. And then, uh, so this next question is is diving more back into the powerlifting. So Bryce is wondering, does diet matter as much powerlifting? And then... So please answer that question, but then I want to tag on to that because you're like, well, with powerlifting, you can eat anything you want. But really, I mean, I would have to think that while you're eating more as a powerlifter, if you can still eat relatively clean, your energy and strength is going to have to be better. That's where I'm leaning. But Bryce's question first, does diet matter as much with powerlifting? And secondly, let's talk about the quality of that diet. Ah, great question. Desiree, I completely agree with you. I've experienced both ends of the spectrum as a power lifter. I've been the power lifter who eats garbage all the time, and I've been the power lifter who eats a little bit better. And, you know, the more food you eat that's rich in vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, the better you're going to feel in general. But generally speaking, um, just generally, if you're in a calorie surplus of any kind, you're going to feel okay and you're going to lift pretty pretty heavy and you're going to be pretty strong. So to answer Bryce's question, it does matter. You don't want to eat garbage all the time because you're not going to feel that great. You're going to be you're just not going to feel great. Are you going to be able to perform in the gym? Possibly. But you're far better off to actually track your nutrition. Now, I'm a I'm a macro guy, so I I've experienced what it's like to overdo the diet my first few times at bodybuilding shows, and I've experienced what it's like to count macronutrients and, and basically eat almost whatever you want and still come in at 3%. You, you're you going to be much better off to have an understanding of what nutrition is going into your body to fuel you to get stronger and improve your performance overall. So I wouldn't recommend just going out and eating whatever you want, but still know that you, if you're in calorie surplus, there's a good chance you can eat small amounts of whatever you want, whatever you want. Gotcha, gotcha. So hopefully that answers your question, Bryce. This next question is from Sheldon, and he says, most natural bodybuilding wannabe athletes, oh my, Sheldon, (laughs) but anyway, most natural bodybuilding wannabe athletes say they don't want to deal with the diet. Oh, I got you now why they're wannabes. How can someone get past that fear? Oh, okay. Um, I would say uh, there might be a deeply ingrained fear of failure in this person. Um, mm-hmm. Because I see this kind of thing a lot. It's like, you know, they're they're interested. They're 50, 60% of the way interested in doing a bodybuilding show, and they talk about it openly. But to actually pull mm-hmm. this trigger and do it is a different thing. Yeah, and that's, sure. that's so true. And, and most of the time, it's like you, you, at some point, Anybody that's been successful had to take that leap. 
and it, it's 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 a heck of a mental jump, and and a lot of people are more comfortable than they're willing to admit. And if you don't really challenge you, then it's hard to see past that. And it does look like people are doing some amazing things, and they basically just took the leap of that others don't. And it's nothing against anyone who doesn't take the leap, but you can't really, you know, limit others, I guess, to to our our own limitations because everybody's been challenged some way, shape, or form, and we just happen to accept the challenge of uh, health and fitness, I think, a lot more than most are willing to do because I sure don't want to be like my, my, my relatives, my elders' relatives that are basically doing seven or eight prescriptions just to make it through a day. I, I just don't see that in my future other than, you know, the supplements, like vitamins, multivitamins, uh, you know, stuff, stuff that's life-sustaining and healthy as compared to drugs that are basically just, you know, covering or masking the symptom of sickness. And <clears throat> that's my motivation, and that's what basically had me take that leap. And it's just nice when you can have the information like, like what, what we're getting on this show and having an option to know that what you're getting is going to benefit you and not some foreseeable effect of basically having you believe it so much that you're going to make it happen, whether it be right or wrong. Is that a good uh, good way to answer that? Yeah, Kaylin, I like the angle that you just took, and, and that's something I'm very passionate about um, is – understanding that a lot of people go through life and they are reliant on prescriptions. And if they only understood, if they just made a handful of habit changes, they could probably eliminate most of those um, prescriptions. And a lot of people don't understand that we use fitness as a source of motivation. It's not, a, it's not an ego thing. It's not a narcissistic thing. This is our source of motivation. We use it to challenge ourselves and make ourselves better. It's not, it's not about, you know, looking in the mirror and, it's not like that. It's different. You know, that's what the angle I think you were trying to take. Yes. Yeah, no, I think you both, I mean, both of your perspectives are good. And I think it gives our listeners something to, to definitely think about um, because you can't, as, as Sheldon was saying, you can't say that you want to be a bodybuilder, but then let something like the food stand in your way. Because that's not mm-hmm. really what you want. At that point, you kind of like the idea of it, but it's not really what you want to be. And that's with anything in life. So I'm just going to like it to very general terms. A lot of people say they want to be healthy, I mean, or they want to lose weight. And we've been talking a lot about losing weight and New Year's resolutions, why they don't work. And when it comes down to it, we like the idea of those things, but how sold are we really on wanting to be those things? Because when it gets down to it, if it's something that we truly want with most individuals, we will go after it. Or maybe it's just more aggressive, people who are more aggressive in nature. But, you know, when when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing, then we change. And that's when we find out what we really want out of life. So whether it's bodybuilding, powerlifting, losing weight, you just got to really understand what you want and talk yourself into it if you have to. That's all I'm going to say now that I've been rambling. Just talk yourself into it. When you want it, that's when you're going to face your fears. My little, my little two cents there. I want to jump back to your powerlifting team. 
Um, and I'm, I just want to hear more about how many individuals you have on there, um, men or women, because I really want our listeners to understand that this is a sport for both male and female. But talk to us more about, you know, the kind of people that participate in the sport, because I have a feeling that there are some stereotypical thoughts out there on what type of person makes a bodybuilder just like what type of person makes a power lifter and you know they might be surprised when they hear you know who come along and participates in the sport yeah you might be very surprised to find out the kinds of people and the personalities you see and it's you know it's like anything else you'll see one extreme and you'll see the other but I have, you know, I'll refer to the the woman who's 68 who's a world champion. She started in a weight loss class, and then she transitioned into some mobility work with me and some personal training. And, you know, I just kind of mentioned to her in passing, hey, have you ever thought about doing this crazy thing called powerlifting? You could probably be really good at it. And here we are five years later, and she's a world champion. And then you have, you know, another client who's been with me seven or eight years, and they started in general fitness. They weren't really interested in lifting as heavy as possible. As a matter of fact, they they really weren't interested in that at all. But as time goes on and you realize, you know, the best thing that you can do in the gym to make your body and your bones stronger and to boost your metabolism are the compound lifts, which squat, bench, and deadlift. And the next thing you know, you're trying to build that, and that's motivate you. And next thing you know, you're on a powerlifting platform. You know, you've got... <laughs> powerlifters are they're very they're very humble and they're very down to earth and they they're very caring and selfless people and you might be surprised to find out if you get in a room with a bunch of powerlifters they're really watching out for you and thinking about themselves not as much All yeah right. very and awesome the, very awesome what, what i was going to say is you know the, the the old gym that i used to work out at uh five star fitness was run by a powerlifter, and you know people were asking why people were so connected with this gentleman, and that's because he'd been interacting with us since our youth. I mean, he'd always been an outgoing individual, and he really wanted the kids to understand the health benefits from basically lifting weights and keeping your body active. I mean, he wasn't a people person, but his heart was always in the right place with how he went about keeping the children involved locally and even where we, he was basically funding some of the meets, you know, where, you know, it, it, it costs a lot of money uh, for insurance and everything else when you're having meets and stuff like that. And he was willing to always put that money up to make sure that children were being engaged in the proper way uh, to be uh, lifting, also interacting with you with each other because I, I, you know, a lot of what's happening in society today is because of the lack of interaction with our children, with each other and adults. And, you know, that basically that societal thing that we crave and hunger for is being missed. And when you're doing lifting events, there's a respect, there's a camaraderie, and there's an understanding of hard work. And I think if you can start that in the children early, you know, not not bases where they could damage their bones and joints from improper lifting, but if you can start engaging them to see that, you know, taking them out to events of that nature, then they can have a better understanding of what they're getting into in the future, and they're realizing that participation trophies aren't the way to go about, uh, quote-unquote, winning. What do you think about that? Right no, I think you're right on the money. I definitely think you're right on the money. And I just love the synergies that you continue to see between 
natural bodybuilders, and now it sounds like power lifters. And I guess my point here, folks, in listener land is, you know, there's a lot of good people across both sports. And I know we are in arenas that can come across as intimidating, but when you break it down to the individuals, you find out that there are a lot of really good people out there doing good things. We just happen to do them with heavy weights and a lot of grunting sometimes and extreme <laughs> dieting the other times. So <laughs> there's really nothing to be afraid of. And if you're interested in either sport, I really encourage you to check it out because as Royce was explaining to us in his example, some of his best team members started out in just weight loss programs but discovered more. And so I challenge anyone out there who is just getting started in their health and wellness journey to keep pushing yourself, keep learning new things, and just keep discovering more. And you may, I mean, you just might be surprised where you um, find yourself. So, okay, guys, we're coming into the home stretch. Royce, I've got a couple more questions here. Bars, what, does that stand for something? What, what exactly does that stand for? Or is that just sure the name does. of the program, Bars? Okay. It stands for Barbell Athlete Ranking System. Gotcha. I like it. Barbell Athlete Ranking System that has to do with belts. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Okay, <laughs> next question real quick. Because uh, I, I, you know, if any of our listeners out there have never been to a powerlifting meet, what exactly goes on at a powerlifting meet? I mean, what are the basics? Do you just choose the lifts that you want to do, or do you have to do a set of mandatory lifts, and whoever, you know, completes that lift moves on, or what? How does this work? Okay, so let's say you're um, a novice lifter and you're about to do your first powerlifting meet. So you're going to go to the meet. You're going to have you're going to do the three main lifts: the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. And in each lift, you're going to have three attempts, basically, to lift as much as you can. Now, obviously, you're not going to go up there and put a PR on the bar right away. You want a nice transition, so you open what we refer to as your opener, your first lift. You take an opener that you know you can probably get three or four reps with, and then you climb up gently and try to try to hit a PR, try to lift as much as you can. And you do that for your squat, you do that for your bench press, and you do that for your deadlift. And at the end of the day, you'll have completed nine nine heavy lifts or nine max effort lifts, and they score you based on the total amount that you lifted in your age division to your body weight. Okay, very good. And are there, like, national competitions, so you enter regional and then you keep moving up and up, or or how does that work? Yeah, so they're trying to structure it tiered like that, and I really think it's going to be good for the sport. So you, you go to a local event, you go to, uh, say, the New Hampshire State Championship, and you place at the New Hampshire State Championship, you move to regionals. And if you place at regionals, you move to nationals. And if you place first at nationals, you get nominated to go to Worlds. So there are it goes all the way up to the World Championships um, in the sport, and there's you know um, there's a few different federations, but I'm just going to refer to the one that we uh, we compete in the drug tested federation the USAPL and the drug tested federation nice. the IPF who runs nationals and worlds um, but there are a few different federations out there very good well we are all about drug testing so very excited to hear that that exists in the powerlifting realm as well because uh, to be honest i hadn't even really thought about that but it makes sense and i'm glad that there are natural organizations out there as well 
Um, so the next logical question is, so we've got listeners out there who maybe want to learn more about the bar system. Maybe they've got gyms and want to talk to you, or maybe, you know, they want to become a bar certified trainer. How do they reach you or find out more information? Yeah, so you can get a hold of me at Royce at phoenixfitnessnh.com. Send me an email over there, um, or you can catch me on Facebook or Instagram, Coach Royce. Gotcha. And Royce is spelled R-O-Y-C-E, just like it sounds, folks, um, in case you're interested. Plus, we've also got him tagged in our Facebook promo post, so you can check him out there and find his Facebook pages. And, uh, Royce, we are to the point in the show where we like to give our guests the opportunity to give shout-outs to anyone and everyone that has been helpful to them along their journey. And you've already given us one, but if you've got a couple of more, lay them on us. Uh, I've got endless thank yous, um, but I have two people in mind that are very special in my heart right now, my two assistant coaches, Jerry Peterson and Kristen Bolton. I could not do what I do without you guys. They are phenomenal at coaching the barbell lifts and they help run the strength conditioning uh, program over here at Phoenix Fitness. So thank you to you guys, and thank you guys very much for having me on the show. It was really nice to talk with you, Desiree and Kaylin. Yes, sir. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for joining us. Kaylin, last word on tonight. Well, I know everybody will get a nice, cool belt if they take their snickerdoodle protein. That's what I know. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness. That is true. That is true. I'm going to let you have your snickerdoodle, snickerdoodle, uh, <laughs> shout out in the form. Snicko. The snicko for the snickerdoodle. And Royce, just so you know, Kaylin and I have an ongoing, um, we'll call it a conversation about which protein, P for P, whey protein is better, whether it's the snickerdoodle flavor or the chocolate flavor. And of course, you can tell he's on Team Snickerdoodle. I'm on team chocolate, um, so that's just a little background <laughs> there. But with all that being said, thank you so much for joining us. And I, hey, man, I hope to see bars just spread across the nation. I would love to see bar certified trainers in Iowa in clubs that do the same because really once you have proper form, there's really nothing you can't accomplish I think in uh, in natural bodybuilding, powerlifting, all of the above. It's just it's just part of good health. If you're going to lift, do it well. And so, thank you for championing that uh, that effort for the sport. Thank you very much. Gym goers everywhere. All righty. So, on behalf of Royce Bars, Snickerdoodle, Chocolate Way, Kaylin, the boys at P for P Muscle, your body is a temple. So let's build it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.